church age is winding down. What comes next depends on your relationship with God. The rapture of the church is easily the most exciting event that could ever be imagined in the minds of men. Um, God has given us this report that it's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye. You have to be prepared in advance. You can't get prepared when it happens. Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell. Radio for the Remnant, brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. Today, Jan wraps up a two-part program with special guests, Amir Sarfati and Pastor Barry Stagner. We often present programming that outlines the future for the believer and the unbeliever. For the Christian, we have a glorious time ahead outlined in the Bible. The unbeliever's future is also addressed, but it is a time of separation from God and utter darkness. Stay tuned for the important information ahead. On the island of Patmos in the Mediterranean Sea, the Apostle John beheld a series of visions. In one of them, four mounted horses appeared on the horizon of the future as the ominous messengers of the final apocalypse. The first horse in John's vision was white, and it symbolized the rampant spiritual deception that would grip the earth in its final days. A red horse and rider followed, the images of intense warfare throughout the planet. Then a black horse thundered through the earth, wrecking havoc with famine and natural disasters. And finally, the pale horse of death made its dreaded and inevitable journey. Spiritual deception, wars, starvation, earthquakes, at intensities beyond anything humanity has ever experienced. They are early signs of the end times, prophesied by Jesus Christ. And that's why the message this ministry gives continually is you don't want to be left behind, folks, because those who are left behind are going to have ordeals that they cannot possibly imagine. Welcome to part two of my programming. Last week was part one, and I'm basing the two programs off the new book written by Amir Safadi and Barry Stagner, Bible Prophecy, The Essentials, Answers to Your Most Common Questions. We're trying to go through some of the questions, and the topics include... Israel and the church, issues of the rapture. We're getting into that right away here. The millennium, heaven, etc. Pastor Barry Stagner, Pastor's Calvary Chapel, Tustin, California, cctustin.org or barrystagner.com. He is host of the annual Proximity Prophecy Conference coming up Saturday, January 28th. We'll try to say a word about that. My other guest is the familiar voice of Amir Sarafati, Behold Israel, beholdisrael.org. He's the founder of that. He's been at five of my conferences, 2015 through 2019. And he often reminds folks to follow him on Telegram because he posts things that you won't see a lot of places. So the assignment for today, gentlemen, is to cover five hours in less than an hour. Can you do it? We oh, can. yeah, we can. We'll talk fast. We'll start with the good news. Obviously, the book covers that, and that is the rapture because... Once the church is gone, all heck is going to break loose. 
Barry, let me just address this to you for a minute, and that is the tremendous attack on the pre-tribulation rapture. What I'm seeing now is nothing like I've seen in my lifetime. Am I imagining things, or do you see this as well? Absolutely. It's the strangest thing, Jan, because Jesus told us that we will be known as his disciples by the love we show for one another. And there's just an intolerance of those who see the necessity of the pre-tribulation rapture based on Scripture, the fact that the tribulation is the 70th week of Daniel, and the church was not present for any of the first 69 weeks. So why would it be present for the 70th? It's almost as though you're not a real Christian if you believe in the pre-tribulation rapture based on the comments by some. I take the position that if somebody's a mid-tribber or a pre-rather or a post-tribber, I believe they're in for a very pleasant surprise. But I do not believe that your eschatological position on the rapture of the church or the timing of the rapture of the church determines your salvation. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So it's a sad truth that bodes poorly on the church and reflects not the image that we're supposed to be presenting as a loving body of believers who have their differences and distinctions, but rather that we're not all that different from the world, which is tragic. The fact that believers escape God's wrath is so clear in Scripture. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, we are not destined for wrath. We will experience man's wrath and Satan's wrath, but the church never experiences God's wrath Amir, why is this so difficult to understand? Because people have a hard time understanding that we are not destined to suffer judgment in order to justify our salvation. There's a religious component in the mindset of so many Christians that we need to deserve our salvation by going through a tribulation. I must say that this is something that I never understood. In fact, I don't even understand scripturally where do they get this idea from? Because when I read in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you and I'll come back again, receive you to myself. I don't see here halfway through my judgment of the world, I'll come back to you and receive you to myself. When I read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the whole description of the rapture, I don't see anything that has to do with the tribulation there. You would think that the tribulation would be mentioned in it. In fact, the only time you see a connection between the rapture of the church and the tribulation is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, when the restrainer has to be taken out of the way, and then the Antichrist will be revealed. That's the only time. So if anything, when the two comes together, you can clearly see that we have to be taken before. Now, I also believe that There's a lack of understanding of the Hebrew here, because if Daniel speaks of the wrath as the entire seven years, you cannot tell me that mid-trib is pre-wrath. You know, only it just doesn't work. You need to study your Hebrew and the Greek interpretation of the Hebrew to understand that Paul took his description from the exact words that Daniel wrote. And the last thing also I would say is that for those of the people who think that it will happen at the end of the tribulation, what is the purpose of taking us and dropping us back again on earth if it's at the very end? The tribulation is the single most event that has description of the length in days, weeks, months, and years. That's exactly right. So if you don't know the day, you don't know the hour, only pre-tribulation rapture fits the not knowing the day and the hour. 
Let me ask you again, Pastor Barry, because you are a pastor, that many denominations, I would say most denominations, believe in a second coming of Christ. But many of those reject the idea of a rapture, obviously preceding that. Why is there such a disconnect that they expect Christ to come in his second coming, but they discount this wonderful experience, our blessed hope? Jan, it's what the question that you posed earlier and the thing that we hear most commonly as we travel around, and that is, uh, I can't find a church that's teaching prophecy. And I think just the ignoring of Revelation and Daniel and these other books that are deemed to be too complex for the everyday person to understand, and a lot of pastors are intimidated by it as well. And you come away with just what Amir mentioned, Jesus is going to come back and receive us. And they land on that, and that means that at the end, when he comes Mm -hmm. back, clearly we know he's going to come back. That's when he'll come back for us. But that's not a blessed hope, living through a time where if Jesus hadn't shortened it, no flesh would survive. That's nothing to rejoice in, knowing that the church is going to go through the tribulation. But to know that we, through Christ, have been counted worthy to escape it, now that's something to applaud, something to rejoice in. Jan, I think it's just disregarding these scriptures that are so clear that the church has no appointment with this time of wrath. And it's stated as such in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, as this church was wondering about these things. What in the world is going to happen in these last days? What about the dead in Christ? What about the second coming? What's going to happen to us? And these questions that were plaguing their thoughts. Again, it's just the ignorance of these passages that are so clearly related to that time that's coming upon the whole world, that the church in Philadelphia in 310 of Revelation was promised you're not going to see any of it. I'll keep you from that hour. Not I'll keep yes. you through that hour. Not I'll protect you during that hour. But I'm going to keep you from the whole thing. You're not going to go through any of it. I just wanted to say that I get so many emails and messages saying, I used to believe yeah, yeah. in the pre-tribulation, but, and then they give you the whole explanation why they don't anymore. And it's like, you started so well. Now, when we're so close, this is when we really need to hold on to that blessed hope. You wander off to those places where you let people think that they have to go through tribulation. And this is the thing that causes them to immediately get into this rabbit trail and pointing people as the Antichrist every other day, because this is it. We can do that now. Folks, we are going to be instantly changed. That's what's going to happen in that rapture experience. I want to play a short clip here and includes Tim LaHaye and some others and then come back and talk about it. Though the biblical signs of the end times are numerous and well-defined, the specific event that many believe will trigger history's final countdown will come without a hint of warning. It is an event that will catch the entire world by complete surprise and then plunge it into total chaos. To those who have studied the prophetic calendar, it is known simply as the rapture. The rapture of the church is easily the most exciting event that could ever be imagined in the minds of men. Um, God has given us this report that it's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye. You have to be prepared in advance. You can't get prepared when it happens. The most detailed biblical accounts of the rapture are found in the New Testament. Not all of us will die but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and with the trumpet call of God. 
First, all the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with him forever. For all of its mystery, perhaps the most compelling aspect of the rapture is its imminence. It could literally occur at any moment. And as the scriptures tell us, there will be no doubt when that moment arrives. The entire planet will be shaken by a thunderous shout and a piercing trumpet blast. Then, in cemeteries around the world, graves will split open and Christians who have died will rise from the ground, not as decaying flesh and bone, but as living human beings with transformed bodies ready to meet Christ in the air. instant later, millions of people from every walk of life will vanish as they too will encounter their Lord between heaven and earth. Regardless of age or nationality, every man, woman, and child who is taken has one thing in common. Each of them believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the human race. You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio, Jan Markell, talking to Amir Sarfati in Galilee and Barry Stagner in Southern California. In front of me, their new book, Bible Prophecy, The Essentials, and answers to your most common questions. So I'm asking them some of the questions in the book, not all. There's over 70 questions. Amir, who will not be raptured? Anyone that has not received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior from among the Jews and from among the Gentiles, they are not going to be raptured. The rapture of the church is the rapture of the church. That means it's the rapture of those who believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, who confess their sins and ask for Christ to enter into their life as Lord and Savior, and that's it. Those believers who died will have their body resurrected, changed, and unite with their souls, and those who are still alive during the rapture will have their body changed, and they will be taken physically and translated into heaven immediately. So there is a meeting place, which is in the clouds. There is a sound that has to be sounded in the heaven, the trumpet of God, and there is going to be an amazing event. Now, this is something that the world will be indifferent to, because as Pastor Barry said earlier, we live in the days of Noah right now. People don't care much about the things of God. They are actually very busy in unrighteousness at the moment. And in fact, the rapture will be a sigh of relief to many of them. Yes. Because we're gone. They might not be able to explain exactly how, but the fact that we're gone is a great cause for celebration. I also believe there will be a lot of tragedies. You can think of all the things that are happening to families that some are raptured and some are not. But all in all, the rapture is for the believers in Jesus Christ. I'm going to move on in the interest of time to what happens next. And that would be, of course, the tribulation. Talking points, folks, are coming out of the new book, Bible Prophecy, The Essentials. 
If you want to get all the questions answered, you really need to look into the book. It's in my online store, olivetreeviews.org. We're trending towards the tribulation, and that's so obvious. And Amir, you actually deal with people who think the tribulation has already begun. Can you explain why that is not possible? It's obvious to the three of us, but to some people, they see the horror of what's happening today, and they say this must be the tribulation. Sorry, not it yet. According to the book of Daniel, the seven years tribulation can only begin when the Antichrist is rising into the scene and having that covenant introduced with Israel. And therefore, until the Antichrist is not there to sign the deal with Israel, the tribulation cannot begin. The last week is about Israel, predicting the future of Israel, and therefore it has nothing to do with the church. It is something that the church is not to be here to experience. In order to have the mark of the beast, you have to have the beast first. That's right. And so people run quickly to point at things as the mark of the beast. They run quickly to point at people as the Antichrist. I'm holding right here in my hand, in my phone, I see a thumbnail of a video that somebody put. And he says, this is shocking. He's here. This is the end. And he shows some Jewish rabbi that some Mm -hmm. Christians decided that he is the Messiah. And this is it. He's here. This is the end. And 191,000 views in five days. How unscriptural can that be? That person has never read Revelation 13 to understand the nature of the Antichrist, the nature of the worship of the Antichrist, the world during the reign of the Antichrist. All of that is being tossed out of the window for the sake of sensationalism and for the sake of, oh, let's feel the urgency. And all they do is inject fear and anxiety, rather hope and joy. This is something I have to deal with every single day. This is why we're here, Jan. That's why you have your radio show. This is why we travel around the world and teach, because we need to bring people to that place where we divide the Word of God in the right way without sensationalism and with the blessed hope of our soon rapture to be with the Lord. The three of us are adamant that all seven years of the tribulation— are actually hell on earth, if I can be blunt. Because I know there are many who think, oh, that doesn't start till the midpoint, Jan, the Antichrist is revealed in the midpoint. I'm going to just play a clip. This is of Amir. You make such a good point in this clip, Amir, because you're talking about the seven seals, the trumpets, the famine, etc. Ladies and gentlemen, you think that the beginning of the tribulation is so peaceful? Take a look at this. The first part of the tribulation, the seven seals and the seven trumpets, is about war and famine and death. At first, it's a fourth of the population that is destroyed. And then we're talking about a third of the the trees and a third of sea life and third of fresh water is going to be poisoned. There will be demonic, demonic locusts. There will be the two, the two witnesses that are going to exercise some amazing things. These are, are all the seven years, of course, are the indignation. They're all the wrath. And, and we know that they are Jacob's trouble. They are trouble for Israel. They are trouble for the Jewish people. There is no three and a half years of wonderful time for the Jews. Let's hold hands and sing Kumbaya. It is far from that. The tribulation has nothing to do with the church. It has twofold purpose. One is, is, is for the salvation of the nation of Israel. 
And the other one is to take care of the ungodly. <laughs> to judge the ungodly world. Jeremiah 30 verse 7. Alas for the day is great so that none of it like it. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. Daniel in chapter 12 the verses, verses 1 and 2. And at the time Michael shall stand up. The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time you think the holocaust was bad the tribulation will be 10 times more barry stagner you want to comment on that little clip we just heard i think the point is well taken that the whole time of the tribulation is god's wrath what is often misunderstood is that god's wrath comes in multiple forms in hebrews 11 he swore in his wrath that the people would not enter into his rest because of their grumbling and complaining and lack of belief. So we see his wrath manifested in a form outside of his cataclysmic wrath. And the wrath of God, as Amir was pointing out, begins immediately when the rider on the first horse in Revelation 6-2 rides onto the world scene. Because one, this is the guy who's going to make the seven-year covenant and break it with Israel. This is the guy who's going to kill Christians in an absolute horrendous fashion and number. This is the guy who's going to persecute the Jews and cause them to flee. This is the guy who's going to sit in the temple and declare to himself that he is God. And this is God's wrath. Just allowing the Antichrist to rise to power is an act of God's wrath, as well as all the cataclysmic things we see that follow. I think it's important to recognize that the whole thing requires the absence of the church. And you raise a point there in what you just said, and that is you refer to Christians in the tribulation. And this is where people get hung up. They say, well, see, there's the church. It's in the tribulation. No, these are people who come to faith during the tribulation. They pay a terrible price if they survive. And some will and go into the millennium, but many won't survive. Gentlemen, one of my favorite verses, Revelation 3.10 because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on earth. All of this tribulation is hell on earth, not just the last three and a half years. Amir, tell us, who are these 144,000 Jewish evangelists, witnesses? Who are they and where are they from? These are from among the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what the Bible says. So they have to be of Jewish descent. They are people that God has prepared for that event. These people are marked as his. Speaking of the mark, there is the mark of the beast, but there's also the mark of God. And these people are there to proclaim the gospel. I believe the reason why they must be Jewish people from the 12 tribes of Israel is to also share it with the Jewish people. I believe that they are God sent for a reason and for a season. That's following, remember, the two witnesses yes. also mm -hmm. that God sent. We don't say that when the rapture happens, that's it. No one can get saved. We never said that. If anything, we know that God will never give up on people. He will always send them, whether it's the two witnesses, the 144,000, or even the heralding angel that is proclaiming the everlasting gospel above God wants the people to know the truth, and God wants to declare the truth, and he declares the end from the beginning. That's who he is. But will people hear? That's the question. If they don't hear now, when mm. it's fairly easy, when your head is still on your shoulder, if you accept Christ, 
will they accept him then when it is automatically going to cause your beheading? Think about all the souls of the saints of the tribulation asking God, until when will that last? And God says there is a time and it will come to an end. Don't worry, but it's going to be so bad. Now, any attempt to even try and compare what we go through today in this world to the tribulation is pathetic. And I believe it cheapens the tribulation. And if anything, that's causing people not to be prepared. If they are already losing it now, how much more when things will get worse? Look, it's not going to get easier. 2023 will not be better than 2022. If someone tells you, oh, we're entering into a wonderful year, great year, (laughs) God is going to do wonderful, all these sugar-coated messages of, well, I'll tell you, it's the same Jesus that can save you today, and it can save you also tomorrow. It's the same salvation, but the world is going to get way worse. Politicians will get way worse. Chaos, financial collapse, political collapse, weather phenomena that will go worse and worse. Nothing is going to be better besides the fact that we still have a chance and a choice to make right now. And if you don't do it right now, you're actually playing with your soul and your life and your future. Because once the rapture happens and you're left behind, it will be thousand times more difficult for you to take that decision. We're not quite through the book yet. We still have a couple of more topics. I'm not quite through with the tribulation, but we're going to move on here in part two to the millennium. Talk a little bit about that. What about heaven? With all sorts of intriguing questions that are asked about heaven in this book, which you can find in my online store, Bible Prophecy, The Essentials. Again, co-authored Amir Sarfati and Barry Stagner, both of them on the line with me today. Pastor Stagner hosts, again, we mentioned it last week, the Proximity Prophecy Conference, Saturday, January 28th, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. You can stream that various places, Behold Israel, YouTube, Barry's various YouTube channels, Facebook, etc. Amir will be there, Pastor Stagner, other speakers. I do recommend that if you can get a chance to tune in, you do that. Also, We are pleased to announce that Olive Tree Ministries has our own app. It's available in the App Store for Apple devices, the Play Store for Android. Search for Olive Tree Ministries and look for our logo, the Star and Dove. The app will provide easy access to our radio programs, live stream our bi-monthly events, read our news headlines, and go straight to our social media channels. Now, one more thing. We had such an informative evening with Pastor Brandon Holthouse last Thursday at our bi-monthly Understanding the Times event. You can get a DVD of the event for just $10 in our online store. Got to wait a couple of days for editing or view it at no cost at olivetreeviews.org, then to video. It's also posted to our YouTube and Rumble channels. Find all of these postings by Monday or Tuesday. Again, a delay for editing. When I get back, we're going to head into some concluding comments and questions, a little bit more on the tribulation, then we're going to move into the millennium. We want to talk about heaven, so we'll do that in just a minute or two. Don't go away. I'm coming right back. And I want you to know that the story of Israel is just one long miracle. And the reason why it's important for me to say that is because when you understand the role of God in Israel's history, 
you understand it's not a man-made story, but it's a God-made nation for His purposes. And the last time I checked, He is not interested in your opinion. God never said, look, I am going to choose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants to produce or to bring forth the, the belief in one God to the whole world, to produce the Scriptures to the whole world, and to bring forth the Son of God, the Messiah, God in the flesh to the whole world. I'm not asking you permission for it. I'm going to do it. And welcome back. You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. Jan Markell here. I'm so pleased to be able to feature my two guests today. I've ministered with them over the years. Amir has been at five of my conferences in the Minneapolis area. Pastor Barry Stagner was scheduled to be at my 2020 conference, which got tabled because of the COVID crisis. So we've been working together, and it's been such a privilege to get to know them better. Therefore, I'm featuring their newest book, Bible Prophecy, The Essentials. Really, it's a compilation of questions with comments, questions that they have gotten online over the last three, four years, 70 of the most prominent questions that will help you the most. You can find it in my online bookstore. You can find it anywhere Christian books are sold. I don't want to quite leave the tribulation. Unfortunately, we're not going to be there to have to worry about leaving it or not, but I don't want to leave the discussion of the tribulation. What I'd like to do is, Barry, I want to throw this to you because there are people who think that it's going to be impossible to get saved during that terrible time because the Holy Spirit will have vacated. Well, that's really not true. He'll be there, right? Absolutely. And Jan, let me just mention one thing real quick that you mentioned before the break about yeah. saints being mentioned yeah. during the tribulation. There's Old Testament saints. Saints is not a term that's exclusive to the church. Abraham was a saint. He believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. It's not like the Catholic Church, you have to perform two miracles or anything like that. He just believed God, and he believed in the coming Messiah. So for there to be saints in the tribulation, and the church to be absent from the tribulation, is not a contradiction. That is absolutely possible. Jan, as you mentioned, the Holy Spirit has to be present, or he's not God. He is the third member of the triune Godhead, and therefore he shares all the same attributes of the Father and the Son, he is omniscient. He knows all. He is omnipotent, all-powerful, and he is also omnipresent. Yes. He is everywhere. Therefore, his presence being removed from the earth is not something that theologically is possible. As Amir mentioned earlier in John six forty four, nobody comes unless the Father who sent me draws him. So people during the tribulation period, because it is the 70th week of Daniel, will come to faith in Christ as Savior and Lord as the Lord draws them to himself. Now, the only distinction is the hindering power of the church is going to be removed, the church being salt and light, according to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. There is one component that is exclusive to the church, and that is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In Old Testament times, the Spirit came upon people, and like with Saul, the Spirit could depart from people. But we have a guarantee of a future inheritance in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us that preserving and purifying influence that the church is meant to have presented through the word picture of being salt and light by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is going to be removed. But that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is going to become inactive. People will get saved the same way they always have. God will draw them to himself through his Son. 
it's not even possible that the Holy Spirit not be present. Good. That's how people will be saved. Amir, there are going to be, obviously, millions missing. And some folks will say good riddance to these people, all those that have been raptured. How do you think the world will deal with millions missing? I believe the world will have so many terrible things that are going to happen around that us being gone will be the least of their concern. In mm -hmm. fact, it will be the reason for a celebration because yes. now the moral compass is gone and nobody will tell us that we cannot do this and we cannot do that. As Pastor Bear said, all hell will break loose. The restraining power is gone and now, as obviously the restrainer is taken out of the way, and now they can do whatever they want and there will be amazing supernatural events that are going to take place. And in one of those things, of course, is what is going to happen with the Antichrist. So I think that our disappearing will shock them maybe, but will be soon forgotten as things spiral up so quickly with the events of the Antichrist rise and the false prophet and how the world is going to fall into worshiping him. Remember, in order to believe and worship the Antichrist, the world has to be in such a desperate state that the last thing they are going to sit and mourn forever mm -hmm. about is our disappearing. It will be a shock, especially for family members and or people who find themselves in the middle of a tragedy of a plane crash or a car accident, yes. because the rapture will affect the economy of some countries, so many people in key positions will be taken. But at the same time, remember, the world will immediately move so fast into such a series of terrible events. The rapture is the last thing they're going to deal with. Barry, you touch on this. Again, I referred to Petra earlier, I think in part one. Folks, this is part two of a two-part series. If you missed part one, go to my website, olivetreeviews.org, and just go to radio. We've got three, four years of programming there, plus part one is posted there. Barry, I wanted to ask you a question. I've not been to Petra. I think it's something I really missed out on. I've been to Israel many times, but not there. Petra is in Jordan. The Bible seems to say that that place has been prepared by God, Revelation 12, 6. Petra is prepared by God for the Jews to flee there during the terrible tribulation. How do you think they'll know how to flee there? The Lord has led them in the past in times where they didn't know where to go. A pillar of fire by yeah. night or a cloud by day comes to mind. So I don't think God will have any problem supernaturally directing them to the place that they need to go. That could be through an individual, through the Spirit manifesting itself in some way to cause them to flee there. It's like a lot of people have a problem with How's God going to supernaturally translate people into the heavenly realm hundreds of millions at a time? There's nothing too hard for God, so he yeah. is quite able to do that. Whatever the means is by which God directs their path, he has promised to do so and order their steps. I don't know that we could say, well, the Bible says yeah, that right. this is how he's going to do that, but that he can do that is the answer. The book also talks a little bit about one of the questions, is the Antichrist alive today? You both feel that he is alive today. We're not naming names here because we have no idea. There are some suspicious characters out there for sure. I do as well. I feel the Antichrist is very much alive and well. He may be obscure. He's the little horn. Your thoughts on that, Amir? When you consider world events and when you consider what Israel is surrounded by right now, it has to 
is something that is yeah. very close. Look, for me personally, I am holding the opinion that Paul had 2,000 years ago, that the dead in Christ will rise and we that are alive and well will be caught up. In other words, I do believe it's going to happen in my lifetime. And if that is the case, remember, our rapture is the only thing that stops the Antichrist from revealing himself. So if we'll be raptured soon, immediately he will step into the scene. And for that, he needs to be alive already. I don't like to name names. I actually think that if you know who he is, it's probably not him. We have to remember, this is the beast that will come out of the sea. It's not someone who was here on earth. It's not someone that you can attach to a specific country or a specific family. This is someone that Thankfully, we don't have to deal with or see or identify, but it's going to be something new that the world has not seen before. Therefore, it's going to be easier for everyone to worship him. I'll give you an example. Some people, I'm not going to name names, say Elon Musk is the Antichrist. Now, I'm thinking to myself, he's probably the most hated person among the liberals nowadays yes. in America. In America alone, he can never be the Antichrist. What about the rest of the world? I'm thinking anyone that you will name today based on how you feel, and it's because youth look at things from a very narrow perspective. We have to take a few steps backwards and understand that the world is much bigger than America, and the whole world is going to worship him, and Satan will give him the power and the authority. It's something on a global scale that a billionaire who owns Twitter is not going to be a candidate for. This is not what it's all about. It's something bigger than that. It's something that we have to come out of our little box of where we live and think globally. That's why, as believers, let's deal with who the Antichrist is and deal more with Jesus Christ. I'm going to move on to another topic in the book, and that is the millennium. Gentlemen, we made reference to this in part one of our programming last week. Obviously, we are premillennial, and there is a theology out there, we won't belabor it, we talked about it last week, that is confusing so many people. They cannot grasp the concept, even though it says multiple times in Revelation that the millennium is 1,000 years with Garden of Eden-like conditions, not absolute perfection, that's later. But this amillennialism, again, is confusing so many people. Some folks weren't listening last week. Barry, just comment on it again. I think it's so important that if someone is in an amillennial church, they leave and try to find the truth of premillennialism. But go ahead. Jan, if there's that particular position, I think there's other yes. elements that are also askew because you can't arrive at that with a literal interpretation of the book of Revelation six times in chapter 20. It uses the phrase a thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand years. Mm -hmm. And whenever you find that phrase, even though Peter in Second Peter 3 use that as an illustration, his meaning was still literal, even within the illustration where he said a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years a day. He was using a literal number to draw a picture to tell people that God dwells outside of time. He wasn't giving the factors, elements of a quote, equation. He was just saying God is one who is outside of time and just reminding us of God's majesty and glory. So when you take something that is quite obviously literal, and turn it into something figurative. You had to arrive at that as a general practice for the rest of the book as well. That's where a lot of the problems come in. But looking at what we're looking forward to and the mention of how this all comes about as we're going to talk about the millennium 
there's no mention of the church bringing about this Eden-like condition of the world. The mention of the church is that we come back with him at that time as he defeats his enemies and his feet stand on the Mount of Olives and a valley splits open and living water flows from it, bringing back to life the seas of the world, including the Dead Sea. Because remember, during the tribulation, every living thing in the sea dies. Mm -hmm. So the Lord's return with the church and also at that time, the resurrection of the Jews who believed in the Lord, the physical resurrection of the bodily. It's just going to be an incredible time. There's just no way to look at these things and turn them into something that's existing now because the world is completely different during the millennial reign than it is right now. Amir, Satan is going to be released at the end of the millennium, and he will go about and deceive the nations again. And sadly, many will choose to follow the devil even after 1,000 years of peace and prosperity in the millennium. You address this in the book. Help my listeners understand that. First of all, that will explain to you that man's heart is desperately yes. wicked, and it has nothing to do with satanic presence. That's who we are once sin entered the world. And by the way, I struggle with the fact that we even have to come back to Earth for the Millennial Kingdom. So did I. Years. So did I. I thought, why can't we stay in those beautiful mansions that Jesus worked on for 2,000 years? But then I realized, in fact, the release of Satan at the end of the thousand years millennial kingdom is to show the whole world and mostly to us that what's coming next is justified. What's coming next is part of God's just wrath and righteousness and not anything less than that. Because next comes the great white throne judgment. Next comes the final, the end of the affair with the non-believers. And for that, we needed to see what man's heart is capable, even after a thousand years of physical reign That's of right. Jesus Christ on earth in Jerusalem in a world that is as close as possible to the Eden-like conditions, as close as possible because you cannot repair the damage of the flood, of course. The point is this. For me, understanding the millennial kingdom and the release of Satan at the very end is a great way to accept and understand why the judgment in the great white throne is going to be so severe. No one will have any more excuse. That's right. It's over. I think it's interesting. I've always kind of looked at this. It is like a bizarre thing. What's with this thousand-year reign and all that, especially like Amir said, you know, we've got such a wonderful dwelling place in the Father's house for that brief period of time. But if you look at the whole of humanity, God gave man one directive. He violated that. Sin and death entered into the world. Then the world came to a place where the thoughts and intents of man's heart was only evil continually. So God then chose a specific people to give a law to adhere to, to show the distinct lifestyle of those who follow God, promised to bring one who would bless all the families of the earth through that particular people. Man violated the law, and as Jesus said to the Pharisees and scribes, you teach his commandments, the doctrines of men, and you're not even seeking to adhere to what the actual law is. So God then brought about his son, initiated the church age, where we live in the age of grace, so to speak, where by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of works. Works of the law cannot save you. And then finally, we have this radical tribulation period followed by a thousand years where the King of kings and Lord of lords himself 
rules and absolute judicial purity and authority, no politics, nothing. The world is as it should have been all along. And at the end of that, man chooses Satan anyway. And God will basically have come at humankind through every possible direction to show his love for them, to seek to save them. And in the end, massive numbers of people from all over the world will side with Satan. And as Amir said, the great white throne judgment is completely justified after God has tried in every which way to reach mankind with his love and his mercy, and they'll choose the devil instead. Well, then you gentlemen move on to talk about heaven and answer questions on heaven. Let's close here with a short clip. It's David Jeremiah. He raises some very intriguing points. The first heaven is the heaven you see when you walk out into your yard at night and you look up into the sky and you see the the envelope sort of that surrounds our earth. But then the second heaven is mentioned in the Bible as well. And that is is referred to in Genesis chapter 1 verses 14 through 17. Listen to what it says. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for the lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater lights to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. The stellar heavens, the second heaven, refers to the outer space that contains the sun, the moon, the stars, and all of the galaxies other than our own. That's the second heaven. But remember, Paul said he was caught up to the third heaven, and this is where we read that in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4. This is what Paul writes. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, he's referring to himself here, who, whether, who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to a third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, but he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Paul is saying there is something beyond the atmospheric heaven, there's something beyond the stellar heavens, there is a third heaven. And it is in that heaven that God resides. In fact, in the Bible, we are told over and over again that God is in heaven. We are taught to pray, Our Father who art in heaven. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 16, we are told that we're to let our light so shine that men might see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. This little insight, I think that was very valuable from Dr. David Jeremiah. Amir, let me ask you this because it's in the book. Will we be the same person in heaven that we are on earth? Your thoughts, please. Well, obviously, we have new body from the moment we were raptured all the way throughout the millennial kingdom. We have a new body. Our body is no longer something that is relying on sunlight. It's not something that is relying on the oxygen. It's something that is completely different. We can dwell with God as we did in the seven years prior to the Millennial Kingdom. So we are definitely the same people that we were throughout the Millennial Kingdom. But we will be in a different place. And by the way, the Bible says it will be new heaven and new earth. And the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven, which means that we will be in a physical place that is in a realm of a 
new heaven where there is no more need for sun, moon, or stars. It's going to be amazing. Look, we have description of these things. That is, by the way, the first time there will be no more tears and no more pain. I believe that when the Bible talks about, obviously, the tree of life and the leaves that will heal from all those pains, we're coming with a PTSD out of the millennial kingdom. We were with all of these people ruling over them, and then overnight they turn against us and against Jesus and join Satan. Overnight. Can you imagine? Millions of people whom we cared for, whom we ruled over, whom we took care of, are turning against us. It will be such a tragedy. And so we get to a point where we finally rest from all of these things that sin brings to the world and wickedness. And it's a beautiful place. Amir, give me, I literally need it in two minutes just because of time. What should we expect from Israel's new government with Benjamin Netanyahu? Again, I'm very short of time here. Expect the government to be attacked from within and from outside. Remember, this is a government that is very conservative. By the way, they just announced that they will remove from any government paper parent one and parent two and bring back the mother and father. But it will be attacked by the LGBTQ. It will be attacked by the liberals. It will be attacked by the Arabs. It will be attacked by the globalists. It will be under fire. At the same time, it's a government that comes to work. And one of the things that it has to deal with is, of course, Iran. So you can expect a lot of action in 2023. Interesting. Barry Stagner, would you wrap this up? Because what I'm interested in is anybody who's on the fence, they've heard information today that even troubles them, perhaps, because they don't know for sure where they're going to spend eternity. You just wrap this hour up by assuring every listener they can know where they're spending eternity. Yes, they can. And that's the wonderful news of the Bible. And that's why the gospel is called the good news. And there's a series of scriptures in Romans that are known as the Romans Road that basically walk us through the message of salvation, telling us, first of all, that we need to recognize that we're sinners and in need of a Savior. And it reminds us that God has supplied a Savior in the person of Jesus Christ who demonstrated divine love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And that whoever confesses that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead will be saved. And for all of us, that's where the journey begins. It begins with that moment of salvation where we are born again. We recognize who Jesus is and what God has done for us through him. And we accept that as the only means of salvation. A lot of people get sideways of being told they're a sinner, but we are, and we prove it all the time. And James says, if anyone offends in one point of the law, he's guilty of all, which that means that just identifies you as a sinner and one who needs a Savior. The hope that we have, that blessed hope that we have of missing out on all these things coming upon the whole world comes to us through being born again and giving our lives to Jesus Christ and recognizing his authority and supremacy over all and that he is the only way by which we can access the Father who dwells, as David Jeremiah said, in the third heaven. Give your life to Christ. I highly encourage it. I was just telling the church on Sunday, I have never, ever, in all my years of being a Christian, ever met anybody who said, I regret Mm -hmm. becoming a Christian. It's the wisest, most beneficial decision you'll ever make. Reach Barry Stagner at cctustin.org or barrystagner.com. 
reachamirbeholdisrael.org. And you might want to check out the Proximity Conference Saturday, January the 28th in Southern California. And again, this has been a two-part program featuring the new book, Bible Prophecy, The Essentials. You can find part one of the programming on my website if you missed it, olivetreeviews.org, and go to radio. You'll find many years of programming there. And you can find the book in my bookstore, olivetreeviews.org. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for giving up two hours for this programming. And let me just say this as we exit the program. I use this frequently, but I think it's really appropriate this week. Just a little saying, when the time was right, the sea parted, the walls fell down. The lions went hungry, the sun stood still. The waves were calm, the stone was rolled away, the clouds were parted, the Lord ascended. And when the time is right, the King of Kings will return. God is never early and he's never late. He's always right on time and his plan for you is good. We've talked about a lot of issues this last two weeks, but if we take away nothing else, remember that he has a plan for you and his plan for you is good. I want to thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Contact us through our website, olivetreeviews.org. That's olivetreeviews.org. Call us central time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. We get our mail when you write to Olive Tree Ministries and Jan Markell, Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. That's Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. All gifts are tax deductible. As believers, we have the ultimate good news. God holds you in the palm of his hand. He has everything under control and everything is falling into place.